Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast. And again, welcome. My name's Vic Francis, and uh, it's my great pleasure today to lead you towards a moment of catching breath. Before we start, or as we start today, could you please take out your cell phones? That would be a great thing. And what I want you to do is to turn them off. So I know, I know, I know, slide off. I know you want to sort of see whether you won lotto last night during the thing and check that email or something like that. I know you want to take notes on my brilliant sermon. I know that this is your Bible, you know, and you're, I'm doing you out of a Bible at church. I'm not sorry, but, but, but let's just turn it off. Sorry, but um, I'm not sorry. And now if you have a watch on, I'd like you to take it off your wrist and just tuck it under your thigh or something like that. So come on, watches as well. Now, if you're a first responder, if you have to go and save the world in the next half an hour, um, you're forgiven. You don't have to do any of the above. But otherwise, watch off, especially Apple watches, Sandy, um, would be a really important thing to do along the line. So, and so we don't have... And would you just trust me? I'm not going to keep you all day. There is a clock at the back if you're going through withdrawal systems and stuff like that. You can sort of just kind of turn around to smile at someone and have a look up the back. I'll keep an eye on it. I'll look after you throughout this whole service. You're in my careful and good hands today. And we're going to begin today in our second week and our second message because we, we, we covered the beginning twice last week, morning and night. But we're going to begin today with a little exercise of prayer and breathing. We're going we're gonna to just take a moment, uh, a few moments really, to, to breathe and to get in contact with our body in connection with our body. And it'll be great that we're not sort of distracted during this time, and in fact, during the whole message. So I would, what I'd love you to do is sort of just wriggle yourself comfortable, kind of have a sense of, you know, being aware of how you're sitting, any twinges in your aging body or whatever, or am I just talking about myself? I can, I can sense it. And just maybe close your eyes and if you think, oh, I don't need to close your eyes, it's really helpful for me if you close your eyes because you freak me out if you're looking back at me sort of in an exercise like this. And just breathe. Just get in tune with your body. Just breathe in. And breathe out. And we're going to introduce you to breathing prayer. You can do this on your own at any time, really. 
And it reminds us that God's closer to us than even our, than even our breath. It's sort of like an Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. We sort of, we're created with these fantastic bodies and God is in us and with us. So try and breathe from your stomach rather than your chest. We tend to breathe sort of too high, so just feel your stomach go out. And we're just going to take 10 sort of deep breaths in and out. So breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. In and out. That's three. In and out. In and out. Five. Breathe in. In and out. That's seven. In eight and out. In and out. And one more. Breathe in. And just keep your eyes closed and please keep breathing. <laughs> that would be really good. And just check in with yourself. Check in with your body. Can you feel your body as you breathe? Can you notice tension in your body? Can you feel the beating of your heart? It feels strong. Maybe it feels not strong. Just continue to breathe in and out in a nice, drawn-out method. And then we're just going to add to the, to the idea. We're going we're to pray a prayer as we're aware of our breathing. As we breathe in, we're going to pray, and we're going to breathe out. And there are lots of ways you can do this. You can, you can, as you breathe in, you can sort of pick on a name of God and you can breathe out, you know, kind of maybe if you do feel tension, you can breathe tension out. You can do this for yourself at any time. It's a very centering experience. But what I'm going to get us to do today, just, just in your mind, because it's hard actually to breathe and talk at the same time, but just that prayer or just that verse actually that was brought to us today by Shirley, um, to be still and know that I am God. So on the breathing in, we breathe in, be still and know. And on the breathing out, we breathe out that I am God. And we make it just a little prayer for ourselves. So breathe in, be still and know. And out that I am God. 
Be still and know and out that I am God. In and out that I am God. In and out that I am God. In be still and know and out that I am God. In and out. In, still with your stomach. And out. Just four more. In, be still and know. And out. That I am God. In and out. So just keep breathing and just notice what you notice right now. What are you feeling? Are you feeling tense about doing this? Do you think this wasn't what I came to church to do? Were you feeling peaceful? Do you have a sense of God being with you? Is there anything a still small voice might be saying to you? Just keep breathing in and out. What does be still and know that I am God mean to you? Where does that prayer take you? Where might that apply in your life right now? Where could you be with that this week? So just as you're ready, just feel free to open your eyes and just stay in that place, conscious of your breathing. And we'll go into more normal territory, but be aware of what God is doing in your life, even within you, during this time. We have the series that we're calling Catching Breath. Breathing, I think, is an important thing. We're reframing ideas around healthy spiritual disciplines. And our idea over these five Sundays is to sow deep into our spiritual life and, and focus on the moments and practices in our lives where, where we can seek out, I don't know, seek out rest, seek out restoration, seek out nourishment that is going to go deep. We could do a breathing prayer exercise, another exercise that we'll finish with this morning, a breathing prayer exercise every day this week if we wanted to in a different way. And the idea is to get beyond the busyness, get beyond the distraction of, I oh, just check, you know, kind of mulatto numbers or something like that during church, um, to tend the garden, to, 
to look after our relationship with God, to, to, to address it, to be present to it. And we're going to help you as much as we can by the whole idea of catching breath in the series, a podcast, um, just a little one, every Wednesday, 10 minutes, just a, an exercise that you can do to grow. Um, messages um, that we do Sunday, the, last, the next three Sundays, starting today, this morning, sharing on this thing of engagement and abstinence, and Calvin tonight on ruthlessly eliminating hurry, the opportunity for us to grow, like Calvin introduced us last week, the opportunity for us to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus long before we would go on to try and do the things that Jesus did, but to be with Jesus and to know who he is in this time. And so today I'm talking about engagement and abstinence, about knowing when and what to draw away from, because there's times that we, that we need to actually withdraw, and when and how to move towards God. And there are times where we get to do that, and it's important for us to be doing that as well. I want to share some things along the way. There's a great scripture maybe that sums up some of this rhythm, this ebb and flow that, that we see in the scriptures and we see throughout the history of the church really uh, in Acts 13 that one day these men were worshipping the Lord. They were engaging just like we have, you know, the discipline of engagement and they were fasting. They were abstaining from food. So there was a movement both ways. And the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work, work that they were going to do. They'd be engaging, to which I've called them. So after more fasting, abstaining, and prayer engaging, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. It's this, this great sort of rhythm thing that God introduces us to, abstaining, engaging, inhaling, exhaling, as we've done, literally, literally done today, um, being and doing, ebbing and flowing. Today we've abstained from our phones. It, it might just seem like, you know, that's so unfair, but it actually might just in a little small way disconnect us from, you know, kind of the need to be connected to everything and allow us to become still just for a moment, to, to, to defeat busyness just in a little way. And we've engaged in this breathing prayer practice. We've never done that or very rarely done that in our church. You may have done it plenty of times or you may never have done that. We've walked towards something and the opportunity of thinking of, of what God might be doing in our midst. Richard Foster, who's one of the great modern writers on spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, writes this. He says, echoing down through the centuries is a great company of witnesses. This is the church telling us of a life vastly richer, deeper, and fuller in all human circumstances, good and bad and even tragic. They have found a life of righteousness and peace of joy in the Holy Spirit to be actually possible. You know, there are, there are uh, um, uh, um, disciplines and, and, and practices that we can do that can give us the richness that we desire, even in really difficult situations. And so this series, this sermon, if you like, is an invitation to embrace the, the, the richer, deeper, and fuller um, life into, foster, into the places that Foster says where we live and work and cry and pray and curse the darkness. And it's like, you know, kind of surely we don't curse the darkness, but we go dark places sometimes, don't we? And the whole idea is a richer, deeper, and fuller life where we have joy, where we have the great things that happen in life, but also where we go into places that are very difficult. And there will be people like that who are in those places. 
And some of the disciplines can be helpful for us in those. He goes on and he says, our being born from above of necessity includes our being formed from above. Being spiritually born is a beginning, a wonderful, glorious beginning. It is not an ending. The heart is cleansed, but it is yet to be purified. And so God is in this process with us, an invitation to us. And so today I want to share some, some things that we would call the disciplines of abstinence and the disciplines of engagement. And what I'm wanting you to do as we go through just a couple of lists of those things is to choose one. And, and, and they're simple enough, or they're simple enough at least in their concept, that you will be able to pick one and to practice it this week. And I'll give you a little explanation of what it is, but very little and then to encourage you to go and to be and to, and to use our podcast that Kelf puts up on Wednesday and to, to engage with those things or to abstain from those things along the way. And so I want to I move to a, to a different writer or a different um, uh, input from a guy called Dallas Willard who's written a tremendous book called The Spirit of the Disciplines. And he, he talks about the disciplines of abstinence and the disciplines of engagement. And I just want to take you through some of these things and, and with an idea that, that maybe we could be practicing some of these things and it would take us to those deep places that could be rich in good times and in not so good times. So seven disciplines of abstinence, in a sense, that I think are, are worthwhile. First Peter 2.11 says that, I, um, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against the soul. I think we probably have a sense that kind of just, you know, the table's overflowing. We should just take as much as we can. And I think there are, that there's definitely a time for taking and even some of the engagement principles that we'll get to in a few minutes will, will be that. But there is definitely a time for abstaining to say, I could gorge myself. I, I could just be completely, you know, kind of unrestrained. But now is a time actually for, for restraint, for pulling back. For, for being in a different space. And what a magnificent thing it is that, that we have learned down through 2,000 years of being a Christian church. And so there's the disciplines of so, uh, solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, um, chastity, sec secrecy, which I'm also going to call discretion and sacrifice. And so just a, just a little thought through each of these things. And next Sunday morning, Fran is going to be speaking on solitude, silence, and another S. Stillness. Thank you. I don't do that very well, apparently. Solitude, silence, and stillness. But solitude, an important thing, and so we'll learn more about that. But there's this great sense and great history in the church of getting away just to be with God. It goes right back to the fourth century in the desert fathers and mothers. and It's a great, great story. But we probably have this thing of, yes, I need some me time. I need to get away from some me time, and kind of solitude's not like that at all, really. So Willard says that solitude is where we go to confront our soul with its obscure forces and conflicts that escape our attention when we're interacting with others. So in the busyness of our life, it's really hard to get down and, and real with the state of our soul. And so solitude wouldn't even be so much going and just walking the beach, which is a fantastic thing to do. 
but it would be a deliberate walking into a walking the beach with God and allowing him to expose our soul. Silence often goes with solitude. Um, a, a, a great series that Fran and I have loved watching um, called The Big Silence. Uh, uh, um, in, a, in a monastery in, in um, England, they took five um, just uh, everyday English people and they took them into silence, I think, for 10 days. Only one who had any sort of religion. Uh, the, the father, Jameson, who, who um, leads that um, whole thing, and it's, it's like a reality series on silence. And he says, you know, silence is the window to the soul and the soul is the window to God. And so again, it's not so much walking the beach with your headphones in and even your favorite worship music in, but it's a silence that goes deep and a silence that we can explore and a silence that we can hear. And we're not very good at it and our, our world doesn't lend itself to it but it's a discipline that we can do. Fasting is a really interesting, Fran, Fran and I, or, or, or I in particular, became a Christian in a church that was big on fasting. Our pastor fasted 40 days a number of times. This was about 40 years ago when we became Christians. And, um, you know, kind of, we, we took to fasting as well. Many times I've fasted for, for a week. I think that's the most that I've ever done. And it's the sense of, you know, sort of withdrawing from the pleasures that we can have for a, for a connecting with God. It's a discipline. There's no doubt it's a discipline. Um, uh, Willard says, um, talks about fasting as, in fasting we learn to suffer happily as we feast on God. So we feast on God in the context of the whole thing that we fast. Or frugality. Frugality is sort of, you know, we have plenty, but we choose not to, to sort of romp into it. We choose not um, all of those things that are at our disposal just to gratify our desires, and we instead decide that we can put aside. Um, again, Willard, the spiritually wise person, has always known that frivolous consumption corrupts the soul away from trust in, worship of, and service of God. You know, and so we kind of might think, well, it's just, it's there. Let's just take it. But there is something about standing back from it that is deeply nourishing, that is deeply connecting. Um, chastity, both inside and outside of marriage. You know, kind of a, a withdrawal from sex, a withdrawal from thinking about sex is a significant thing in terms of instead connecting with God. Or secrecy, and about, this is what Willard uses, I prefer discretion, but it's like this, this, this withdrawal from sort of saying, you know, kind of telling everybody all of the things that you need, telling everybody of all of your accomplishments, you know, kind of, but instead having this, having this personal discretionary thing between you and God. It's trusting God, not hinting for the things that someone else might do. It's continuing a relationship with God independent of the opinion of others, withdrawing, or sacrifice, um, abstaining from not just the frugality, abstaining from the, the things that we have in abundance, but actually sacrificing the things that we have as necessities for the sake of drawing closer to God and being closer to God. Probably in the Bible, the rich, uh, the poor widow would perhaps be the, the, um, the best example of that, of putting her two coins in the offering because she has nothing. It's a sacrifice that she's making. It's a, it's a discipline of sacrifice because at that point when you've put everything in the basket, you can only trust God. It's a moving in your abstinence. It's a moving towards God. And so what I would love you to do is, to, is just to look with, 
I want to say kind of loving eyes in a sense, you know, kind of, and, and just invite God to invite you to a discipline this week of abstinence, of something that you could do, of something that you could explore and something that you could be. Solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity, discretion, or sacrifice. And then there are disciplines of engagement. And Willard likens abstinence and engagement to an exhaling and inhaling of our spiritual lives, and we require disciplines for both. You can't live solely in abstinence. At some stage, you've got to eat. You can't just fast, you know. You can't live solely in sacrifice. At some stage, you've got to come, and, and, and the, the tide's got to come back in again. And so he lists in his book, at least, and you know, through the church, if you Google, you'll find lots of other things, um, but these are maybe things that we can, can, can get in connection with, um, but, uh, these disciplines of engagement. And so he lists study and worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, and submission. So study, and, and study typically is study of the Scriptures, is reading of the Scriptures, is going deep in the Scriptures. It's a discipline. Um, I'm always surprised how little as Christians these days we read the Bible. Often people say, I just, I just don't get it. I, it's a discipline, and we go towards it. I know over my years as a Christian, probably have had four or five seasons that have been years, years on end where I have gone deep in study, and it shaped me and formed me and molded me. Hopefully for the good, it's shaped and formed and molded who I am, and it still does along the way. It's, it's in me in that sense. Or the, or the discipline of um, worship. You know, and, and, and probably in a vineyard sense, we have the sense of, you know, kind of well, we're a worshiping movement. You know, of course, we, we do this discipline of worship quite often. But, but do we, you know, kind of with the ongoing dwelling on the greatness and the beauty and the goodness of God um, through our thoughts, through our words, through our actions, through the things that we are playing with and toying with through our rituals and through our symbols to worship is to see God as worthy and to take that consciously, not just into a sunrise, but into a, into a difficult conversation or something like that, the discipline of worship, the discipline of celebration. Maybe you can't do abstinence and engagement of celebration and frugality or celebration. There's something about celebration that says, I'm going to really enjoy the things that God is, the, the, thing that, the, the person that God is. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to enjoy the things that God has given me and celebrate His greatness and His beauty and His goodness. The discipline of service. You know, kind of, I, I talk at all of our new people's events. We had one even this week. So some of you are here even this week. And I talk about, you know, we were shaped as a church in service because we set up halls for 25 years as a church before we moved into this building. You know, it's part of our DNA. I think we're better for having gone there, for having been willing to do all of those things. Service shapes us. I love the vineyard concept of leaders, leaders being servants who lead rather than leaders who serve. Servant is our fundamental position. Or prayer, you know, kind of, and not just sort of a, you know, pray around the table or, or something like that or, a, or an opening prayer to a meeting or something like that, but prayer as in, you know, Jesus in the garden, watch and pray. You know, being, carrying something of the weight and walking towards it on behalf of yourself or on behalf of someone to, to go there for this discipline of engagement. Or fellowship, 
You know, kind of it's interesting to be together, isn't it? To be, to be close together, to be doing this journey together. You know, there are so many um, gifts that I don't have that you have, and there are so many gifts that I have that you don't have, and multiply that all around the building and all around, you know, kind of our evening service and all around, you know, kind of people that God brings together, the sense of fellowship and going into fellowship. And fellowship leads us into confession because when we're, when we're doing this together, it leads us towards being people for whom it's not just, well, we just turn up on a Sunday morning and I don't even really know anybody's name and I don't really connect or anything like that. It's, a, it's, it's like we're doing this together. It's going to cost something, this engagement with each other. I might not like you. I might not, I might not get along with you. You might disagree with me. You might kind of threaten my space. But there's something about doing it together that's a, a walking deliberately towards that is good for us. That is a wonderful thing that we can embrace. And, and lastly, again, in Willard's um, you know, kind of list is submission. Submission's a really interesting one for me because I've, I've been, you know, kind of because we've been pastoring for a long time, I've been involved a lot in the Vineyard Movement in New Zealand. And I've chaired the board of the Vineyard Movement for longer than I can remember, you know, sort of over 10 years, maybe, maybe 15 years. And about five or six or seven years ago, I had the sense of, of it was time to finish. I didn't really have any more that I needed to give. And because I do a reasonably good job at that and because, because I'm sort of focused and, and task-driven and things like that, um, it was considered by um, others who were on the board and, and, and others in the vineyard leadership that it was really important that I stay on. And so I had you know, quite a lot of pressure in a sense of, no, you should stay and you've still got more to give. And, and there was just like, there's nothing in me really that wanted to continue that. And I was talking to Fran about it one day, and I'd never heard of the discipline of submission. And she said, you know, there is a discipline of submission, which is like even when you don't want to be doing it, you do it because of submitting to submitting to God, of course, and submitting to the process and even submitting to other people. And so out of a sense of the discipline of submission for the, for the last, and I can't remember how long ago it was exactly, but for sort of five or seven years, that's a role that I've continued to play. And it's cost me really dearly. There are times in a sense where I would love to have kind of pulled out at that time, but it shaped me and made me the person because I was submitting, I was, I was engaging with this thing that God had invited me to. And I, I, it's interesting to talk about that today because just this week, so I do, I've resigned from the board, the national board um, and finished up at the end of March, but I still was doing the audit for our, for our movement and I just sent the last thing off just this week and it's like at the end of a five or seven year submission process, I now feel free. But I wouldn't have felt as free if I hadn't gone through that thing. It's the discipline of submission. And so what I want you to do is to look, again, lovingly and kindly, because this is not a driven thing, but an invitational thing. Is So what would God have you engage in this week? You know, is it a week for study or worship or just to celebrate? You know, service something that is, is an important thing. Prayer, fellowship, confession, submission. And you'll remember, you'll know. And it's the invitation for us to go. And so I want to encourage you towards these disciplines for the, for the inflowing and outflowing, for the ebbing and flowing, for the inhaling and exhaling as we go through the week. 
And so now what I'd love you to do is to stand. And we're going to come to the end. And we're going to do another little exercise. It's like, you know, we could talk and we can talk and we can talk. But we're going to do another little exercise. And we're going to do it with a scripture, with Psalm 23, which you'll be aware of. So this is what I want you to do before you're doing that. If you are sitting or standing in a place where you're not really close to someone, can you just move a little closer? You don't have to be touching, but I, I want you to be able to know that somebody genuinely is with you here. So don't be shy, don't, you know, because this would be like fellowship, wouldn't it? Because otherwise we're just sort of isolated in our little seats. So you know, just kind of make sure that you're just aware of the person. And we're going to go to, a, to the message version of the 23rd Psalm. And we're going to do two things. The first thing we're going to do is going to read it together. And then the second thing I'm just going to ask you is just to close your eyes and I'm going to read it slowly over you and just introduce you to a few thoughts as we go. So follow on with me as you can. So God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. And I'm back home in the house of the God for the rest of my life. So now what I'd love you to do is just close your eyes. And let me lead you through the psalm. And you might just be very aware of the person who's next to you. And there might be a line that's not for you, but may well be a line for them. And it's almost a part of a confession thing at that point, because we're there for each other at that point. And so I'll read it reasonably slowly, and I'll prompt you a couple of times, and then we'll come to a conclusion. So God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. Is that true? What does that declaration and prayer do to you? I don't need a thing. Is it a comfort or is it a, something that, that makes you slightly uneasy? You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. Where is the meadow for you? Where is the pool? Where is God leading you to drink? True to your word, you let me catch my breath. Catching breath is our theme. God's brought it to our attention. And send me in the right direction. Where are you catching breath at the moment? 
Where's it going deep? Even when the way goes through death valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. And so for you, maybe you're in death valley. Maybe you're in extremity. Can you see Jesus walking at your side? And if it's not you, I wonder whether there's somebody even around you that you might be aware of is that they're at extremity. When you walk at my side, when you walk at my side, Lord, Lord, would you walk at my side? Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. Oh God, let us be a secure people today. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies, and my God, I'm going to celebrate it. Thank you. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. And I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. So breathe in. Deep breath. And breathe out. Breathe in. Maybe the line that is significant. And breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. And breathe out. And one more. Breathe in. And breathe out. And so, God, we take note. We choose to go deep. We choose to engage and we choose to abstain. We choose to catch our breath amidst the craziness of life. And we ask that you would lead us in this journey. In Jesus' name, amen.